Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. Season two of HBO Succession is back, and the Ringer's Chris Ryan and Jason Concepcion are here to give you the latest in Roy family drama. Every Sunday night, they'll be breaking down what we just saw on our new show called Number One Boys, a Succession After Show. You can tune in live on the Ringer's Twitter every Sunday night, right after the episode ends. What's going on, jabronis? It's Pitch Mr. Perfect, Skylar Aston. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard. This is Rust Battle Season 1 champion, Mike Lawrence. Husky, Steve Kazee. This is Trey Kirby. This is your girl, WWE superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hey, this is WWE superstar, Braun Strowman. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm Shinsuke Nakamura. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening to them. And you're listening you're to listening to and you are listening to them. You're listening, listening, you're listening to you're listening to the Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. Masked Man Show. Welcome to the Masked Man Show. I'm your host. David Shoemaker, joined here in the studio by my dear friend, Zach Linder. How you doing, Zach? <laughs> that was one of the best welcomes <laughs> that you've given in a while, I think. I'm really happy to be here for the Hobbs and Shaw exit survey. Oh my gosh, I'm very. this is going to be the best episode ever. But really, this is SummerSlam <laughs> week. Or, uh, the SummerSlam just happened. We're going to cover SummerSlam. We're going to cover, I think, very uh, exciting episodes of Raw and SmackDown. Um... I don't, before we get into all that, I just have to, um, there's one thing I do want to bring up because oh, on, on my subway ride here, David, right. I, and this is totally legitimate and this first you're hearing about it, I was retweeted by Batista. What? On my way here. I swear to God, this just happened. So was, me, it, was it a wrestling related tweet? Yes. Okay. Let me give you the blow by blow of this. Go, go. Earlier today, Ch- uh, Chuck Taylor Mm-hmm. Um, friend of the pod, Dustin, right? Uh-huh. Um, he tweeted a joke about Ribera Steakhouse in mm-hmm. Japan. For those of you who don't know who are listening, Ribera Steakhouse, this sort of kind of a wrestling mecca in Tokyo. It's like a divey steakhouse where wrestlers go when they're when they're in Japan. Yeah. And Chuck Taylor tweeted a joke about it. And uh Dave Batista quote tweeted Dustin's joke. And said, delete this. That's disrespecting the history of this restaurant in our business. And you have to delete this right now. This goes beyond your years. Wow. Serious. He was being serious. He was being, it seemed like totally serious. I don't think Dave would fuck around like that. And someone responded to Dave with a link to my Ribera Steakhouse oral history that I wrote when I was at WW.com. To this day, what I think, one of my proudest things that I've ever worked on. I'm mm-hmm. really, really happy with that piece. And if, if, you, if you're listening and you haven't read it, I, I encourage you to Google it. It's a, it's a really, really fun read. So someone tweeted Dave the piece and tagged me because I guess they know that I wrote it. But yeah, I, I responded to Dave and I said, thanks so much for the link. One of the best pieces I think I ever worked on when I was at WWE. Sorry I didn't interview for it, Dave. Didn't know you were such a big Ribera fan, um, uh, but um, I don't think Dustin meant any harm. He loves wrestling, and uh, I think he was just joking around. And Dave Batista retweeted that <laughs> with no comment. With no comment, he just retweeted. So you got it. the la- you got the last word. I got the last word, and uh, hopefully uh, Batista isn't mad at Chuck Taylor anymore. Um, Chuck and T. I mean, I would I would hate to see Batista burn his bridges with all elite before AEW before uh, before they inevitably call him to headline a pay per view. But now I'm getting all these tweets from people because Dave Bate- Dave Batista, you know, star of Blade Runner 2049, was <laughs> t- tweeted retweeted my tweet about a Japanese steakhouse. Are they responding to the content of the tweet or just responding? I'll I'll look later, but it literally happened when I was on the subway here, and I had to get you a Starbucks, so I didn't fully process. I appreciate it. the Starbucks. The craziest. My Twitter mentions have ever been, and this, this this does sort of coincide with when I stopped paying attention to Twitter mentions, was when I, three years ago, at the beginning, very beginning of The Ringer, wrote a piece about The Rock. Um, it was part of a series uh, of just like, I think it was called The Undeniables, and it was people across entertainment and pop culture sports um, who just like had universally high approval ratings. That, right. that, was, that, was the, that was the thing. And I wrote about The Rock. and. Uh, the Rock 
Dwayne, as you know, my dear friend, as as I call him, not really my friend, uh, retweeted the piece or tweeted the yeah retweeted the when my tweet about the piece, and then for the next two weeks, my mentions were just people trying to talk to the Rock. No, no reference to the piece. <laughs> people would just reply to the tweet and just be like, "Hey, Rock, will you officiate my wedding?" Hey Rock, I think you're really cool and beautiful. Hey Rock, and it's just like like broken English, like just create like yeah, just yeah. nonsense. I know you mean when we when I was at dot com when I was at WW.com, we had this joke that whenever we would tweet about something and get any kind of notice, um, wrestling fans would just respond to the tweet with just the word Cena. Like no, <laughs> like no context whatsoever. Like the tweet had nothing to do with John Cena, but people just were like, Cena. <laughs> Cena sucks. It. Oh, Cena. Um, we love you, John Cena. John, back to what matters here. Yeah, I'm glad that Chuck Taylor got a mention on this pod, and Batista. I like how Batista's gotten more, just so much more reverent about wrestling as he's grown like further away from wrestling. He, I feel like he's tweeted more about wrestling now because he's more confident in his yeah. status as a movie star. Yeah, and it also sort of like yeah, once once you have some legitimacy in another thing you kind of retroactively build a legitimacy into the old thing it's like, li- it's like it's like it's easier for us to be wrestling fans since we have like careers and loved ones and <laughs> I don't, is that insulting to say well it's peter rosenberg's very own hashtag with a life right with a it's sort of yeah, yeah it's sort of the inverse of with a life but yeah I, I, yes anyway i'd like to see batista roll into ribera steakhouse with kumail nanjani <laughs> i want to see that meal uh that would be great That'd be great. Let's talk to Fox about having a Ribera Steakhouse weekly television show. Oh man, it's just like a it's like a parts unknown, like a traveling food show, but every episode is Ribera Steakhouse <laughs> and figure action figure shopping with Zack Ryder. That sounds great. Yeah. We got to get Zack Ryder and Brian Dipperstein together on that. Anyway, um, enough talk. Let's talk about SummerSlam. Yeah, enough talk. Let's talk. Let's talk about what really matters. SummerSlam was really good. It was awesome. I was expecting to be just beaten down by the length of it, and it ended. It all flowed together really well. And it, it was, ended early. Yeah, it ended super early. Um, everything was really good. I don't. Was everything the length? Was everything the right length? Is that is that a, is that a terribly boring way to start the show? I mean, to start to start the segment. Was every match the right length, Zach Linder? Um, I'm looking at the timestamps right now. I think so. Uh. Kofi and Randy went long for a non-finish, for a double count-out finish. I, I, you know, that's the only one that I, that I, that I was looking at too. And I, longest um, match on the show. Yeah, I wonder if you had. I wonder if the idea was they felt like they had to go long to justify that, kind of earn the non-finish. You know, if it had been a, if it had <sighs> been an, an eight-minute non-finish, everybody would have complained. I don't subscribe to that. I think it's more like I watched all of that for this. Yeah, that's where I, I'm more lean on that, but. Yeah, everything was great. Did did we not see enough of the fiend? I mean, we can talk. I mean, I'm sure we will talk more about the fiend later. What would you say is your number one takeaway from the show? Let's start there. Well, like, if you want to talk about, if there's one thing you wanted to talk about after SummerSlam, is it Seth Rollins winning? Spoiler alert, guys. Is it the debut of the fiend? Is it uh, uh, Kevin Owens over Shane McMahon? Um, I'm picking one and one only. I would say the fiend when the fiend made his entrance. I turned to Peter and I said, he will be champion within 12 months. Yeah. Like point blank. I think for the first time since maybe his, the, the, the beginning gimmick, like the, the early Wyatt family gimmick. Right. He's actually, he's back in that. Uh, you know, I, you know, I don't want to, I mean, I, I've, I'm de- I defiantly don't want to compare him to the undertaker, but he is back in the undertaker mold in terms of like, he might, the belt might be meaningless to him. I don't think he's a division mm. killer, but I don't know that it's necessarily he doesn't need the belt type of thing. Yeah, sorry, it's a title. Um, but but that said, I think you're probably right, and I think it would be great. I mean, he looked. I know. I feel like I've made this point before, but see, this is the first time we've seen him in the ring like this. No one has had more fake re- repackagings than Bray Wyatt in his career, and I'm yeah. not. I'm not talking about Husky Harris. I'm saying since Bray Wyatt debuted. It's like once every 18 months, it's like, it's the new Bray Wyatt. And oh, the, he's got dreadlocks yeah, now. Yeah, and the difference is his hair or yeah. like the leather apron. Like it's, there's <laughs> nothing. And you can tell, I mean, I've interviewed him and he's an incredible interview. You know he's what like it's a like? a really good guy. But, but, but in interviews, you can see him seeding the ground. He's like, when I come back next month, get ready, whole new Bray Wyatt. And then it's the same Bray Wyatt. And I know it's not his fault because you hear him talk about this stuff and he knows what's up. But anyway, all of that is to say, this is the first 
I, I, I was so shocked at how different he felt. Oh, yeah. But still all the allusions to mm-hmm. the previous iterations of the gimmick. Yeah. It's awesome. I feel like every time he like slightly changed like all those fake repackagings, yeah. it's just like a like a Bushwick bartender trying out new haircuts. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like, no one's going to recognize me at work today. And it's like, uh, yeah, yeah I've got a fade now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and everybody there is just like, like, Jeff, you still have a beard. Like, you look exactly <laughs> the same. Um, Jeff, you're st- you still mix shitty drinks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was really great. First of all, good match, well put together. And the perfect place on the show, too, mm-hmm. to have it kind of be that palate cleanser between the two title matches, but also also feel like a main event. Yeah. It, absolutely perfect, and um, I know there was some news that was leaked either today or maybe it was yesterday about the reason he was not on the shows in any form the last two nights is they they really want to keep it special. Yeah. And let's see how much restraint WWE continues to have by keeping it special, and when do they kind of let the handcuffs off and then he just becomes <laughs> another guy again? I don't know how much restraint... I mean, yeah, I mean, restraint's a, a fleeting thing inside WWE, but we'll see. You know, it's a new era for the company, and we'll see how long... I mean, there's certainly... It certainly seems like there are different... You know, I know that Eric Bischoff and Paul Heyman have these executive roles on the shows now, but it does feel like both shows have a very similar creative aesthetic over the, since you know over the past couple of months, and and part of that might be a reaction to AEW. Yeah, um, part of it might be a reaction to Japanese wrestling. Um, but the but but that but for a couple of months it's been fairly consistent. You know, there have been weekly rumors about Vince McMahon tearing up the SmackDown script and rewriting it, but overall it's been a really, really consistent sort of and different vibe. And so maybe, you know, anything's possible, man. Um, but other than The Fiend, I would say my biggest takeaway from SummerSlam and the But best... I'm not done with The Fiend. Oh, sorry. Okay. One more thing with The Fiend. It's the, This is the sort of thing wrestling nerds talk about that doesn't get remarked upon enough, but this, re, this is... I've talked about this before in terms of, in, in, in terms of Bray. He changed... His in-ring style. Yeah. The one thing, like for, I feel like for years I've been saying he should just beat the shit out of people. Like punch somebody in the face until they bleed. Like I need my crazy cult leader, like backwoods muscly guy to do that, right? <laughs> he snapped Finn Balor's neck. He literally. It's like a murder. <laughs> he literally snapped his neck. And then, I mean, and then, I mean, it was just power moves. You know what I mean? He looked, he, he just, it looked really good. And then mandible claw. Yeah. Because that was weird when they brought back Foley a few weeks ago. Why mm-hmm. are they bringing back Mick Foley? Oh, it's because they're giving him the mandible claw. That mm-hmm. makes sense now. Um, but yeah, uh, it's almost similar to how when Cody Rhodes became Stardust. Yeah. He changed his entire, it was a different guy. It was a different uh-huh. move set. Um, yeah. Speaking and those, of finishing moves, can I go on a total tangent here? Could they get, because everything's a, a callback these days. And I was thinking, watching the G1 and thinking about this too, because there's some pretty dramatic moves. Um, could they get the heart punch over in 2019? Oh man, I love the heart punch. Um, the, uh, the, tell me if you remember anyone else doing it, but the two guys I remember doing the heart punch as a finishing move were... When Crush was like prison break Crush. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. When he was in the Disciples of, or maybe just before the Disciples of Apocalypse uh-huh. in the late 90s. And the other guy I remember doing the heart punch is Stan Stasiak. Yeah. Who was WWE champion. Yeah. And um, uh, won the title with the heart punch. Yeah. And then, but then, the, I mean, most famously, I think it was Ox Baker who stole the move from Stan Sazier. Oh, I forgot about Ox And then Baker. legit, and then like pseudo legit killed two guys. Not really. Two guys died in ma- vaguely related to Ox Baker matches, but they, but Ox Baker was just like, yes, I, yes, I will, I'm not going to run away from this like idea that I'm killing people. I'm going to embrace it for heat and I'm going to say the heart punch is the culprit. And he would like, wind up the heart punch in some matches and the crowd would just like people would leap into the ring to block the heart punch from landing <laughs> and uh, I just wonder if there's ever if there would ever be a move that would be like that dastardly anymore I'm a big heart punch Mark I'm, um, I'm on board with this didn't the Undertaker use the heart punch too in WCW when he was mean Mark Callis oh yeah yeah when he was mean Mark he absolutely is did. that right holy cow I didn't know that Um, I, I don't think I've ever seen that I'm gonna here's Google the, that but here's the problem with the heart punch is that like 
it's not really that cool of a move unless disagree. It, well, no, no, no. It's a cool. I'm just saying to they punch each other all match long, right? The only <laughs> unless it has the unless it has the specter of death, then like what's the point? Yeah, but yeah, but when they do it, when they do the heart punch, they're punching the heart. You're right. It's different. But is it too real? Well, it's, it's similar to it was like Big Show's knockout punch, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, enough. The less said about that, the better. Uh, Big Show's getting a sh- uh, comedy on Netflix. I saw yeah, that. Have we even talked about that, Jim? No, we haven't. I, I, just, I, just, I love Big Show. I love Big Show, too. And I want to, I, I, this is several weeks late since they announced that show, but I've been, I, I needed to bring it up because I want to give a shout out to uh, the Rick, the guy who, the, my, the, my, the guy who I read, write about wrestling more than anybody else in my formative years. I've discussed him before. Rick Skaya, S-C-A-I-A, I think is how you spell it. Uh, had a website called Online Onslaught, later OO Wrestling, and uh, was always one of Brian Curtis and I had the running joke that, that he was always asking for WWE to find a way to, for Big Show to employ the comedy stylings that he showed on Saturday Night Live the time he was on there. <laughs> and so finally, Big Show has an outlet for his SNL uh, era comedy stylings, and I hope the Rick is happy. He was the breakout of that SNL yeah. in, two, in 2000. Yeah. Yeah. It was fantastic. Well, that was right before the rest of the four-way WrestleMania? Right. Yeah. That's what it was. Which is not WrestleMania 16. It's WrestleMania 2000. Very weird. Yeah. It's going to be really awkward when they get to the actual number 2000 of <laughs> WrestleManias. <laughs> but the, the countdown is on. Yeah. Man, WrestleMania on the moon is going to be fantastic. <laughs> uh, sorry. So Bray Wyatt was really good. Uh, Finn Balor uh, actually had a pretty good showing, and I like the placement of the match, like you said, second to last, because it sort of legitimized Finn Balor's, you know. And I've heard loss. that part of part of why Finn Balor was put in that spot is because he's going to be taking some time off, so yeah. no one will remember that when he's back. Yeah. Um, but I was going to say before uh, the other match that really took my attention yeah. at SummerSlam was Stat Guy Greg versus uh, Chicken Wings. <laughs> um, I. Th- I believe that Greg might have had upwards of 40 barbecue chicken wings. No. The, it, it was a spectacle. Uh, plates of piled high bones. Yeah. Um, the, the, the barbecue sauce on his fingers, the napkins that it required for a cleanup, um, just really astounding and impressive. Yeah, you can go through those napkins, especially your crappy napkins, man. Um, well, I'm proud of Greg. That was that. That's really good. <laughs> you can eat a lot of barbecue wings. At, like when you're if you if there's an unlimited supply, and you're sitting on somebody's in somebody's apartment watching wrestling. Oh man, I could I could do a lot too. Uh, do a lot uh, of damage. But uh, a legit answer would be the Goldberg Dolph Ziggler match. Oh yeah, loved it. What is the what is the Dolph Ziggler? I'm just skipping to the end. But what is the Dolph Ziggler gimmick of like demanding to be beat up again and again? It reminded me of Monty Python, Holy Grail, when the guy's like, the, oh, keeps I'm getting his yet? arms and legs and everything. He's still talking <laughs> crap. He's like, I'll bite your legs off or whatever. He's got no arms left. It's a flesh wound. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. guy. It was almost like that. Like He keeps going back for more. I just think that Dolph um, is, uh, is really um, uh, pro-Israel and wanted uh, to do the job for Goldberg to show his support. Uh, that's fantastic. Goldberg looked great. Dolph sold like, a million bucks. Dolph is finally figuring out a lane to get over. I'm going to, I'm saying this with some trepidation because who knows? I mean, we've seen, you know, what's that, what Dolph's career arc has been over the past couple of years, but it feels like he's finally figuring out a way to get more over by being booked as a sort of jobber to the stars. And man, does he make Goldberg look good. And, and Goldberg looks great on his own, too. Unless he's I mean, taking on The Undertaker. How old is Goldberg? And he looked phenomenal. 50. 52. Yeah. 52, and boy, he is just jacked mm-hmm. and looked phenomenal. And clear, And my takeaway from the show is they're clearly not done using Goldberg. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I do, I, for all the kind of good-natured shit we talk about recycling these old stars and whatever. Uh, we had that on, on Sunday, and it felt like it, it felt like all like, totally appropriate uses, right? I mean, it was him, and it was uh, uh, Trish Stratus. Um, that was great, too. Yeah, that match is really fun. Although it did, it did sort of underscore how far women's wrestling has come, because, I mean, Trish was the cream of the crop for so long, and yeah. she looked... Mostly on her game after a really long layoff on Sunday. 
as great as those Trish and Lita matches were, and I don't want to take anything away from those matches because they really, really were fantastic for mm-hmm. that period. Um, I, I don't think they hold a candle to the kinds of things that you know Sasha and Charlotte have done in the last 24 months or so. No, I mean, and that's not, I mean, I think women's wrestling, at least in terms of WWE, we see this like, this wild progression over the past decade, you know, just because they've finally been given the opportunity to do it. Um, but, you know, all of wrestling has evolved too. So, it's, I mean, it's not specific to women's wrestling. If you put, uh, like, who is somebody, Ken Shamrock in the ring with Ricochet, Ken Shamrock would probably be lost. You know, I mean, he just the styles are just yeah. so different. Yeah. But anyway, that would actually be a great match. <laughs> Bring back Ken Shamrock. How old is Ken Shamrock right now? Is he if he's under 52 and there's no excuse, get him back in the ring. How old is Ken Shamrock? Well, he's been talking up a game on Twitter, too, about I'm going to come back. Uh, he's 55. <laughs> Christ almighty. Oh, my gosh. Um, How old is Chris Jericho? Ooh, let's see. Um. I was watching an interview he did on Busted Open this week, and I was just like, he looks, and he, he, you know, the tra- his trappings, he's, he looks younger than ever. Do you want to take a guess? Take, take a step. I'm going to guess he's, four, f- sheesh, man, 47. Wow, real close, 48. Yeah. Wow. Um, he's another guy that has reinvented himself. Yeah. There's like three pay-per-view, three different companies running shows in the same day when, he's, when they're doing the all-out show. That's that's going to be fantastic to see. It's him versus Hangman Page. Also, the NWA is apparently has their weekly TV show. Billy Corgan announced that. Did you see this? No. <laughs> like, they're going to be filming a show, but I don't think they have a home for the show. It's going to be a digital show. Like, whatever. I mean, I in my heart, I want NWA to be a thing. I don't think it's going to be a thing. Well, they're signing wrestlers, too. I mean, they have like a, they have a roster. How is that going to be different than Major League Wrestling, Court Bowers' promotion? I don't know. Just different different rosters. Are, are there enough wrestlers to have four great rosters? More, more, more than four. I just don't know how much money you would have to give me if I was a wrestler. If I was a wrestler on NWA's radar, how much money to be locked into that? Because you're looking at all the guys who are like have signed TNA contracts, and then like six oh, months TNA, later, yeah. Six months later, they wish they were out because you couldn't foresee what the landscape was going to become, right? But now you're just like, we know what the landscape is. Like, wouldn't you be better off just like working at Kinko's and doing PWG shows for a year and then inevitably getting signed by one of the big dogs? I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Um, Becky Lynch over Natalia. I guess we can we can talk about that. But the much more interesting thing that happened was after Becky Lynch inevitably beat Natalia, and Natalia came out on Monday night. To milk that beautiful, beautiful Canadian crowd uh, love. Started talking about how she lost. Started talking about how it was the anniversary of her dad, Jim the Anvil Neidhart's death. And then, surprise, surprise, out came the long-lost uh, star of the of the women's division, Sasha Banks, who came out, hugged some young girls, got in the ring, hugged Natalia, and then proceeded to turn heel, uh, pulling off her hair, her wig to reveal that her hair was no longer purple. Now it's dark blue. Oh, that means a lot. And uh, she beat the shit out of Natalia. And then Becky Lynch came down and made the save. And uh, Sasha Banks proceeded to beat the shit out of her uh, with a steel chair. It was pretty awesome. It was. I loved it. I love this direction. I don't think it was a shock to anybody that has been following wrestling rumors that we got Sasha Banks. And if you have any sort of sense of of wrestling in general, you probably knew she was going to turn heel. Um, and I think it's great. I think Becky Lynch, Sasha Banks is the direction to go in for Fantastic, returning Sasha yeah. Banks. I don't think you could put her on kind of a lower peg at this point. If you're going to bring her back, you really have to do it right. And um, she's probably the, you know, you have Becky Lynch, who's the most over um, female performer in the company. And then you have Sasha Banks, probably the most talented worker. Um, a female worker in the company, um, and that I think that's just a great matchup. Yeah, I can't wait to see what they do. My only, I mean, honestly, my only hang up with the whole thing was the hair color. I like the idea of the changing of the hair color, but I don't know that. First of all, first of all, I I kind of think it'd be more heelish to not have a brightly, to not have a Crayola color in your hair. 
Like, wouldn't the wouldn't the real heel move to like be to pull off the wig and reveal that her hair was just black? Yeah, she's oh, she's a brunette. <laughs> yeah, her hair was just like because like her hair was just like whatever she would want it to be in real life, right? As opposed to just like this WWE approved like Technicolor hairdo. And she was doing that weird thing on on Instagram before she returned, where maybe it was Twitter, I don't remember, but she posted a photo of herself in a blonde wig. I don't oh, know. Yeah. If, I don't know if that was like trying to telegraph what was to come. I don't know. Um. And also, I'm not sure that just pulling off a wig, I mean, maybe, maybe uh, probably affected the audience in a way that I didn't expect, but I mean, the way that I that didn't affect me, but pulling off a wig is not quite the same as like tearing off your t-shirt to reveal the NWO shirt underneath. <laughs> yeah, because no one knows what blue hair means. Right. What does that mean? Yeah. Oh, blue hair. Everyone knows that means she's a bad guy. Yeah. Like, no. It just means she has blue hair now. Yeah, exactly. Oh, she, oh she's different. But it was a really nice touch that she, that the, the, the fans that she embraced on her way to the ring were both wearing uh, Sasha. I mean, were both wearing Becky Lynch jackets, I believe. Was that on purpose? Do you think? Well, I mean, she, or during her heel run in NXT, she she went out of her way to like give her sunglasses to Bailey fans. Like, oh, be, like that's the, funny. Like she was like she would deliberately play with like the fans' fandom and with 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 yeah and and and. See how much, see how bad she basically had to be for a fan to be like, no, I don't want your sunglasses. That's great. I'm a big Sasha Banks fan. Yeah, she's really good. The crazy thing is how much she's sort of like grown in our collective estimation in her absence. And I consider a lot of her like tag team run and everything since basically since the beginning of her on screen situation with Bailey as like her absence because she hasn't been, you know, wrestling in the main event scene. And, uh, yeah, it's almost it's almost as if she's like a legend who disappeared for three years or they two need, years, and I, I hope that she's still everything that I think she is. They needed to rehabilitate her persona. She had ping ponged that uh, women's title with Charlotte. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many times. Um, never had a sustained run with the title, I believe. Um, so I think she did need to take some time off just to make her feel fresh again. Yeah. Um, and boy, does she feel fresh now with the, I th- I'm really excited to see this match. Yeah. All right, before we move on, let's take a quick break for a word from the NHTSA. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. You could get into a crash, people could get hurt or killed. But here are some surprising statistics. Almost 29 people in the United States die every day in alcohol-impaired vehicle crashes. That's one person every 50 minutes. Even though drunk driving fatalities have fallen by a third in the last three decades, drunk driving crashes still claim more than 10,000 lives every year. Drunk driving can have a big impact on your wallet, too. You could get arrested and incur huge legal expenses. You could possibly even lose your job. So what can you do to prevent drunk driving? Plan a safe ride home before you start drinking. Designate a sober driver or call a taxi. If someone you know has been drinking, take their keys and arrange for them to get a sober ride home. We all know the consequences of driving drunk, but there's one thing for sure. You're wrong if you think it's no big deal. Drive sober or get pulled over. Uh, AJ Styles uh, retained the U.S. title on Sunday against Ricochet. Uh, Ricochet was wearing um, a Nightwing outfit. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he got that from like an S&M store or something. Um, which was weird. That was like the kind of overshadowed the whole match. Uh, it was a pretty good match. I'm out on Ricochet. I'll say it right now. You're out on him. I'm is this a, is this a sarcastic take? It's like half. <laughs> Jim, are you joking? Are you laughing? Oh, <laughs> um, I uh, I'm like half serious about it. Um, I just I don't like guys who just jump around and are great wrestlers and haven't made me care about their character. What is his character other than he's a good wrestler and his name is a verb? We have a very special surprise for Zach right now. Evan Bourne, come on in. I want you to say, oh, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I uh, I can see that. <laughs> he's still out there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, he's a really nice guy too. Um, yeah, I see what you're saying, but Ricochet's better than that. That's just the answer. I'm not sold on Ricochet yet. I agree that he's a great in-ring performer. I'm just not all the way there with him yet. Would you like him more if he wore a wig? What kind of wig? <laughs> or a mask. Like blue hair? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Would you be compelled by him if he if he revealed that he actually had blue like dark blue black hair? Now a hair? mask is interesting. 
I this is I, I'm this is so I've said this so many times. My people listening to this are bored by it. He should have been Sin Cara, and Sin Cara yeah. would, Sin Cara would still be the biggest star and would would be the biggest star in WWE right now. I don't know if I've talked about it on this podcast. I think I might have just told you personally um, off mic, but. Uh, I went to Mexico City in February, and, oh, I, yeah. and I went to Lucha Libre at Arena Mexico. Mm-hmm. And um, the original Sin Cara is- uh, Mystico? Is, What's he called now? He used to be- Well, yeah, he, he gave the Mystico name away. So he's now Mistezis or something. I'm not saying it. I'm, I'm butchering that name. And I'm, yeah. so, I'm sorry to the Spanish language speakers out there. <laughs> but um, he is still a phenomenon in Mexico. Yeah. When he comes out, it is a Hogan-like. It is in- Austin 98 era pop from the crowd. I mean, it is madness. People love him. Um, and uh, just as a side, like going to see Lucha Libre, going to see CMLL in yeah. at Arena Mexico should be a bucket list requirement for any wrestling fan. It is a cultural experience that is unbelievable. Yeah, I haven't gone to Mexico. I got to go. Did you see Esa Rios while you were there? <laughs> were you... <laughs> So, I, I call him Papi Chulo. Oh, okay. Well, that's fine. Um, Ricochet is great. Uh, what, what happened on What happened on Raw? Did they? They did they? I don't even remember what happened. The main event was Seth Rollins you know, he and made AJ the save. Styles. He made the save at the end of the match. I mean, at the end of the yeah, at the end of the show, which I guess counts as a big moment for him. Oh, he had that Elias thing. He he came. He interrupted Elias, and uh, they had a little match. Is Elias good at being a wrestler? Sorry. Is, is Elias good in the ring, I should say? Yeah, in a certain style. He's a big bruiser type. Yeah. Um, and I think if he if he takes advantage of his size, he's a, he's a great performer. Yeah. He kind of has a... He should wrestle like Diesel. You know what I mean? He should wrestle in the style of Diesel. Yeah. Not wrestle against Diesel. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, he should wrestle in the style of Diesel... With like, but maybe not as kind of slow and plodding. Mm-hmm. But the way that Kevin Nash was able to take advantage of his size yeah. and really kind of manhandle guys—that's well, that's how Elias. Should I be think wrestling. you're right. Elias is. I mean, Elias is. You can, is is certainly a guy who's been affected by the evolution of what a wrestler is. I mean, because he was in developmental for a long time, and like the, the time that he since he first signed with WWE or first went to you know first started training with WWE, uh, he probably went from being. You know the size of like what an IC guy looks like, and to one of the biggest guys on the roster, Elias. Yeah. So you think in the past ten years, like he, he's he has grown because everybody else has shrunk. Is what I, I'm saying. I don't. Re- I know what you're saying. I don't remember what he looked like before he was the drifter in NXT. Well, I mean, I'm not saying just he got that much bigger. I just mean that like. Like he, like you say, you should work like a big man. When he first decided to be a wrestler, oh, I, don't I think, see what you're saying. I don't think anybody, sorry, sorry. nobody looked at him and was like, "You were a big man." They, I mean, maybe on the you know indie circuit or something. But anyway, you're right. I think he should work more like a big man, and that would suit his uh, his skill set a little bit better. So the club, or sorry, the OC now has the U.S. title, presumably free and clear of this Ricochet feud, and the tag titles free and clear of everything because there aren't really any other tag teams. Um, I I can't get over that they're called the OC because of the TV show. Yeah, because I. That's what I think of when I hear the... I, I was such a big fan of that show like 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. More, I guess. I, I mean, just, we all were for a minute, but, I, there's, but there's, but that's, you know... When I hear the OC, I'm like, I can't picture AJ Styles and, um, you know, Carl Anderson and Gallo. I'm, I'm picturing... Lisa uh, Barton? I'm picturing like Seth Cohen and Ryan Atwood coming out to like Phantom Planet songs and... Listen, and I'm sure everybody, everybody who was on the OC is probably happy... To leave the OC, to, to give the OC away. Except I feel for maybe Misha Barton. Well, she's like on the hills now. So. She's on the hills, yes, which is a, oh my God, it's so, so awful. Is it? But um, I, maybe, I, I think maybe I'd be more into calling them the OC if their theme song was like Death Cab for Cutie or something. <laughs> Can I say a thing about theme songs real quick? Can I rant? We were just on an email thread about, yeah, but yeah, go ahead. This is This applies for... Uh, factions who have uh, you know a tag team and a main guy like the like the OC also applies for every to to every tag team. It's one thing if you're two guys, two wrestlers who are slapped together to be in a main event, right? If it's Buddy Murphy and Roman Reigns against uh, against Brian and 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 um, Rowan, then like Buddy Murphy and Roman Reigns both get entrances. But if you are a tag team or if you are a group, you only get one entrance song. Yeah, it's so dumb. Yeah. 
Why on earth do we? Does anyone ever need to hear the club's entrance music? How do you feel about what Cesaro and Sheamus were doing? I think that's fine. Shove it together. That's great. You get one entrance. Do whatever you want to with the music during that time. You hear that WWE? David Shoemaker says, "Shove it together." Shove them together, guys. Uh, no, I mean this happens all the time. I just don't. I just don't get it. It's with like Alexa Bliss and uh, I mean, sorry, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. I feel like we're doing that now. Am I crazy? Um. Yeah, that sounds right. I yeah. just don't like you come out and then it's like, like pause my song now play my my partner's song. Like if you're a te- if a team if you're a team you should come out at the same time. Yeah, and if you're not coming out at the same time, that's a statement, right? That's what you do when a team is about to break up. You oh, know, man. when like when- I remember, uh, just as a quick aside, Tom Brady's first Super Bowl with the Patriots. I, I remember not wait to see where this goes. <laughs> well, the the Rams were all introduced. Um. Uh, separately and then the Patriots all came out as a team oh yeah this is like 2001 I guess mm-hmm. and it was like whoa yeah they're, they're coming out as a team teamwork mm-hmm. um, similar I don't know that yeah. felt like the right thing to say on a ringer podcast no, I think that's right great and relevant point um, anyway do you, what do we think about the OC do we think that these guys are going to be like, what's next for them? Do you think this Seth, Seth Rollins, what's next for them? Do you think that, like, this is the dominant heel faction on Raw now? I would like to see it go that way. I mean, I, I like Gallows and Anderson with the titles. Um, I like to see them have a formidable opponent and them emerge victorious from that opponent to really kind of solidify their dominance as a tag team. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know where they're going with AJ Styles as the United States champion. Um, I feel like that it almost feels beneath him. Like if he's as tough yeah. as they say, why is he of the United States title? I, I agree with you and I know what you're saying, but at the same time, isn't that doesn't, I mean, isn't this the perfect use for the U.S. title? Like nobody cares about U.S. title matches anymore. WWE has thoroughly watered it down. So all this is, is just letting, letting everybody in this faction have a belt for a minute. Sure. Like it just look, it, it legitimizes no, the crew. But I, but I, but I agree with you. Um, and then, oh yeah, the thing we didn't mention is that Ricochet came at the end of Raw. Ricochet came out to make the save. He got beat down by the OC two, and then Braun Strowman finally came out, right? Made the save. There was a moment where he was handing Seth the Universal Title, where you thought maybe they were going to start a little feud. Maybe they will. Who knows? But then he just handed it over, shook his hand, whatever. And now we have the three, the three uh, baby faces of fear. Uh, Ricochet, Seth Rollins, and Braun Strowman against the club. Is that a thing? Or the OC? Is that a thing that's going to happen? That would be fun. We haven't seen Braun for a while, right? How long has it been without Braun? Three weeks or something? It's been a while, yeah. And it feels like he's like, he's back! Even though he wasn't really gone. Um, Yeah. And I feel like he's another guy that would benefit from some time off because he also, they sort of... They sort of ruined, they didn't ruin Braun Strowman, but he he was white hot for a minute two WrestleManias ago, and yeah. they had an opportunity to make him the champion, and they decided not to pull the trigger on him, and I, I think he's never been able to get that great heat back. Yeah, someone pointed out on Reddit uh, just this week about that'd be a similar thing about um, Elias. Remember, remember when Elias was turning babyface? Remember when, Eli- when like Elias like like singing was the biggest pop on any episode of Raw or pay-per-view. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's a limit to Elias. That's why I asked if he's good enough in the ring. But I think Elias's role is better as a heel anyway. Oh, sure. So, um, but there was also a time when, this is years ago, when people started ch- cheering for The Miz. Yeah. And they didn't want to pull the trigger on that babyface run yet. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like he's just kind of another babyface. Yeah. Which feels weird to say because he was a heel for so long. Here's here's my entire Miz take. I love The Miz. But here's my entire, oh, yeah, me too. Here's my entire take on The Miz. As far as I can tell right now, his gimmick is standing with like pursed lips and arms crossed while people square off on Miz TV. Or where, like, before he has a mat, like, it's instead of, it used to be that, like, Miz TV would, or any of these interview shows would lead to a match between the host and the guest, right? right. I mean, that's sort of the traditional thing. Somehow Miz is all, Miz is writing shotgun to whoever ends up having the match, or the fe- whoever's having the feud, but then Miz still has the match. Does that make, did that make any sense? Yeah. Like, Miz ends up, Miz does end up having matches out of Miz TV, but then, like, that's not then then it ends up being Dolph versus Goldberg. It's not like that's the feud. <laughs> and so Miz is basically just like like cowboy Bob Ortoning along, but he's but he's this he's a babyface and all 
every time I think of the Miz now, I think of arms crossed, like standing behind somebody who's making a like sarcastic point, and the Miz kind of like like being the being like the buddy in the high school comedy who's like, oh snap. That's all the Miz is right now. The Miz he, he needs, deserves better. The Miz needs to pin a top heel. Yeah. The Miz needs to pin AJ Styles, for example, or Sami Zayn or something. Yeah. Well, we got this King of the Ring tournament coming up. Oh boy, I am the and biggest King of the Ring. Me guy. too. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but maybe that'll be a, that's a, that's a good opportunity for maybe someone to get a surprise pin that doesn't necessarily have to ruin other existing storylines. All right. We got to keep going on this uh, SummerSlam thing before we uh, get totally lost and out of time. Uh, what have we not talked about? Um, Bailey Bailey beat Ember Moon with a kind of nice top rope Bailey to belly to Bailey to belly. Get the, stop saying that name exactly. Uh, Kevin Owens defeated Shane McMahon. And then Shane McMahon kept the feud going on SmackDown. I kind of liked what they did on SmackDown when Shane came out and was basically just like, hey, I'm in here in my official capacity. I'm not here as a wrestler. And since you you hit the referee by accident last night, so I'm going to find, find you $500,000. And if you want to do anything about it, you're going to get fined even more because I'm not here as a wrestler. I'm here as, as a front office person. This seems like a conflict of interest. Can Kevin, one, can one Kevin go to HR about this? <laughs> I've long said that they need to have an HR. They need to have on-screen HR, but that might be a bridge actually too far, because then every week it'll be just like, where is the where is the gimmick HR person that was here last week? Also, after after every match, someone can go back to HR and say he hit me. Yeah, it's <laughs> like I know that we're supposed to be combatants, but like it, like he clearly pulled my tights. Like that's against that's against the the reg the handbook, right? Yeah, we, we've got to run this up the pole to leadership, right? Um. HR would be great if somebody did that in NXT. I wonder if that would get over enough to get called up. Like, would that is if it was all is that all it would take for like someone just to have the just to be like I want to be WWE's HR director. Well, I think Regal would have to go through like compliance training first. <laughs> Not my best. Um, somebody said that who's oh when Greg Wyshynski was on the other week he made the really smart point that if this if this had been the the 90s or whatever and we were trying to figure out who who drove the forklift that not that attacked Roman Reigns they would just bring up Keith Lee and change his name to forklift like that would just be it <laughs> that would be there is a great 80s 90s gimmick of just like calling somebody like like first initial h second initial r last name department or something you know just like and i'm i'm yeah I'm, I'm here to uh to to solve your your workplace issues uh really ineffect ineffectively. Um anyway, that match was really good. Kevin Owens is really good. Shane McMahon is very good in this role. Yes. Um and uh I really like the I really like Kevin Owens. I really I mean, he's one of the he's just one of the best and he's just like they're putting him in a position to be elite right now. Are we concerned with the amount that Shane McMahon sweats? Does he have an endocrine issue? Well, he doesn't sweat more than he doesn't sweat a more glandular. Than, well, issue? now I'm trying to think of the people who really sweat a lot, and I think maybe we should be concerned because the first two people that come to mind are Brock Lesnar and The Rock during his post WWE run. They both just look like fire hydrants exploding. <laughs> so maybe there's a line you could draw through all those. Yeah, but they're, yeah. they're straight out of a Spike Lee movie. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah but so, so so anyway, um, Kevin. Oh. Another thing that I'm stealing straight from the pages of uh, Reddit, Squared Circle on Reddit, it's, it's a really smart, the, uh, something too brilliant and too obvious to leave unremarked upon. Kevin Owens has to win King of the Ring just so he, cause, because the, the K-O-T-R t-shirt is just gonna, is just too good to pass oh, up. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, Who do we think is gonna win? Oh, you know, we'll talk do about we know the, the okay, we'll, do, we'll get that in a second. Uh, Charlotte over Trish Stratus, really good match. Um, it was exactly how those matches should go. Trish looked good. Trish stole the figure eight. Um, she got to do what she got to a Hurricane Rana. I mean, she got she got to do everything. Got all her stuff in. Charlotte ekes out a win. Um, so she keeps the heat. And then Trish Stratus got her little big moment afterwards. And I don't think anybody in the crowd was like, I wish I, she had won so I could cheer her better. Um, so anyway, well done. Kofi over Randy. He writes out and maybe it was a little bit long. Um, but it's not over. It's not over. There are so many ways to continue a rivalry without doing a double count out bullshit finish like that. And it really bothers me. Like, think outside the box. Even a 
even a roll-up where Kofi gets like a pin out of nowhere or something and Randy like explodes, you know, that keeps the rivalry going, you know? Yeah. Um, man, I, I hated that double count out. Hated it. Yeah. I mean, I kind of like where they, they, they framed it a little bit on Tuesday where they were just like, Kofi was like, I can't, you know, he, as soon as he looked at my family, I couldn't let him go. I couldn't let him, you know, I had to, all bets were off. Um, and if that's the gimmick, I guess I get it. Randy Orton, you can't let Randy Orton, a snake like that, uh, even think for a second about that kind of thing. Anyway, I don't mind this feud continuing. They did a pretty good job building it. And, uh, you know, I I think what we're going to see is that this, that the the other very top guys on SmackDown um, are otherwise occupied. Which brings us... Um, oh, wait, by the way, Seth Rollins... Beat Brock Lesnar and is your new Universal Champion, uh, which brings us to uh, Tuesday night when uh, the Roman Reigns saga continued. Buddy Murphy and Roman Reigns had a match. It wasn't quite a friendly because Buddy Murphy is still kind of a heel, but uh, he challenged Roman to a match on Twitter. Roman took him up on it. Blah blah blah. The long and the short of it is uh, Buddy Murphy had the match, uh, a career making match. Murphy versus Reigns might have been the best match of the week in WWE. Um. I think you could probably make the case. I mean, Rollins Lesnar was a kind of a specific kind of match. What was the best match on the SummerSlam card? Probably AJ Ricochet. Yeah, I think that I would knock that down a couple of pegs because there were some like uncharacteristically sloppy moments. Anyway, um, but yeah. Anyway, they had a, a Roman and and um, Buddy Murphy had an incredible match. Then to continue the storyline, um, Daniel Bryan and Rowan attack or accost Buddy Murphy in the back, clear everybody else out of the locker room, just like Roman Reigns did previously, and basically just threatened Buddy Murphy under penalty of violence to admit that he had lied about Rowan driving the forklift. And do we think that Buddy Murphy did actually lie, or did, was he just forced to say they that left he had it, lied? They, they, did, they did a pretty good job of leaving it unclear, but I think the implication is that he, they forced him to lie. They, they forced him to take it back, even though that's not true. Then at the end of the show, Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns, uh, Daniel Bryan and Rowan come face to face with Roman, and they're like, "Hey, he said he he admitted he lied. Now apologize to us." And Roman's like, "Ha ha ha, no." And they're like, "Okay, but by the way, we've done our own investigation. We know who really has been attacking you, and we're going to tell you next week on SmackDown." Cliffhanger. It's what a are, cliffhanger. What are our predictions? You're excited about it. I was googling online to see if there was some obvious answer that I'm not that I'm missing. CM Punk. I think that's it. Um, <laughs> it's not CM Punk. It's I mean, it's not it's not going to be a super surprise. Who this could is not, have this beef is not with the return Ro of John of Dean Ambrose to the no. WWE? Who could have beef with Roman Reigns? I mean, listen, I think that uh, Daniel Bryan is too valuable an asset for the answer not to be for I mean for for this not to be in with a Daniel Bryan versus Roman Reigns match at the next pay per view. Right, but Roman Reigns is not. I mean, Daniel Bryan can't be playing the Buddy Murphy role of like the stool pigeon or like the whatever, or even like the mastermind behind. I guess the I guess the thing would be maybe if it's not. I think it's either going to be Bryan and Rowan reveal themselves to be somehow by some like if Bryan was driving the forklift and not Rowan. Well, like by on technicality, we you know it wasn't Rowan, so whatever. Maybe that could be the story. Or I saw someone suggest Lars Sullivan. You just told me before we started that he's too, he's injured and can't go. But I guess I could see a version of the of of this where like it's some, it's a new member of the Daniel Bryan faction that right. we, that it was at fault, and then that has that to be route. the answer because I think if it's Daniel Bryan or Eric Rowan at this point, it's a disappointment. You are being led to believe that it is a new person, so it has to be a new person. Could it be Luke Harper? Where is Luke Harper? He's sitting at home. WWE just told him to, to stay on the couch. So he's healthy. Supposedly, he, he's, he's been healthy. He wrestled WrestleMania weekend on like a, on the Evolve show that they did. He asked for his release and they denied his request, and they, right? They made a, a pair. I mean, it seems like they made a big, they were trying to make a statement. And they were just like, you can't, not only are you, can you not be, are you not released, but you're also not going to be on television. And we're going to tag some extra time under your contract for when you were injured. Um, so enjoy your couch. Is there anyone else who's like a free agent that they could pick up or a, f a former WWE talent or something like that? Uh, I mean, if you wanted a really shocking return. Anybody that has a relationship with Brian? Um, 
Isn't it weird that like every, Brie Bella? Yeah. <laughs> Anyone that had a relationship with Brian, I feel like, is are is just weirdly already been signed by is already like in a role with WWE. I mean, is like Nigel McGuinness gonna come back from the NXT booth oh, and be that, the bad guy? Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, I mean, we would think it's great. I don't know if anybody else would think it's great, or if a majority of people would. Um, yeah, everybody that Brian like came up with is either is there like already like ensconced in WWE or were like, you know. And, Real cliche indie guys. And we're finding out on SmackDown next week, not Raw, right? Mm -hmm. Because, and I think this is good that they are positioning Roman back on SmackDown because he is officially a SmackDown talent. Did you see that Fox, or no, no, Staples Center put out a tweet? Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, selling you tickets the for, the, uh, for the first episode of, of Raw on Fox. Are we going? Sure. Are we flying to LA? Sure. I'll go. Um, but they they spoiled whether or not it's real. I mean, any card subject to change and all that. But they said that Brock Lesnar will be there. So maybe maybe Randy this Randy Orton thing is just biding time until one of them takes on Brock Lesnar for the title or whatever. But it's also the twentieth anniversary of SmackDown. Yeah. So that doesn't necessarily have any storyline implications. That's just more of a reunion element than anything else. I got to tell you. Any excuse Sting to get... is on the show too, and we all know how oh. big of a SmackDown superstar Sting. When was. I think of SmackDown, the first thing I think of is uh, Crow Sting. My God, um, Crow Sting versus the Fiend. What was the better repackage? Wow, Crow Sting is revel. I don't think you can have one without the other. Crow Sting paved the way for all other. Monumental repackagings. Yeah. To acknowledge that it's the same dude, and there's a straight line between them. I because I, I think there's a I think there's a distinction between what Sting did and what the Fiend did. Put those people in one category, and Stone Cold and and the Ringmaster becoming Stone Cold Steve Austin is in a separate category. I feel like because even though. WWE documentaries will acknowledge that the ringmaster, he was stunning Steve Austin before. And there wasn't like, he didn't go off TV and come back as Stone Cold Steve Austin. It still wasn't, the gimmick change wasn't really part of the storyline. Does that make sense? It does make sense. You know what my favorite one of those is? My, my, it's not, not a really a real answer. What? But Bob Sparky Plug became, I think that was his first. Uh, no, it was just original. Sparky Plug. Sparky Plug. Yeah. Sparky Sparky Plug became Bob, Bob Bob Sparky Plug. No, Bob Spark Plug Holly. And then it became Bob Spark. I think there were several iterations. <laughs> and then it just became Bob Holly. And then <laughs> Hardcore Holly. Right. Uh, and then Deck the Halls with Bobs of Holly. <laughs> uh, yeah. The best was, uh, my favorite was back in the day when, uh, I mean, Rikishi. God, I'll think of all his repackagings. But there was a point where like, Make a difference, Fatu. Yes, where he became yeah. like like dancing, make a difference, Fatu, and and the, basically the only difference was he got sunglasses and like one of those big leather, like patchwork leather jackets, like poofy leather jackets. Yep, and uh, yeah, and he was like a man who could make a difference because that he he went from the head shrinkers to that. Yeah, that's a weird one. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, um, and then people forget before Rikishi aligned himself with. Too cool. He was just like a heavy set sumo guy yeah. for like a few weeks. Rikishi Fatu. That's what Rikishi they were calling. Rikishi Fatu. Yeah. Yeah. What a what a great gimmick. Um, Hall of I Famer. guess if you're gonna give somebody a, a random new gimmick, I like the just the have it be a total non sequitur, like the Rikishi Fatu gimmick. That's great stuff. Did he watch NXT Takeover? I saw bits of it. I I was out that night, and I have not gone back to rewatch the show, but I heard. Gargano and Adam Cole was fantastic. It was and amazing. I, I heard that people are are complaining that, well, if you say you're not a uh, blood and guts attitude era like promotion, then why are you doing matches like this? Right? Because they're trying to differentiate themselves from oh, AEW, yeah. who's a little bit more violent. Yeah, there was a lot of weird controversy that came out of the Cole Gargano match. And just like the fact that, like, like Meltzer was getting heat because he wasn't his favorite of their matches, but like it, that for some reason that turned into he hated the match, and a lot of there's a lot of kind of mixed feelings on this. I will say, apropos of absolutely nothing, I'm on the Wikipedia page for uh, Takeover uh, Toronto right now, and when you toggle over 
on number four, it's Io Shirai defeated Candice LeRae by technical submission. And when you toggle over technical submission, there's a photo of like a, a karate tournament or a jujitsu tournament pops up. Yeah, I'm looking at that. That's great. Um, there was a lot of good stuff on this card. Wild uh, that the Street Pop Profits went over and retained their titles, given that they're now up on the main roster. That seemed like a given. Are they that on they the main roster or are they just like on the main roster? I don't, I don't know. What does that mean? I don't know if they're technically wrestling on the main roster. They they're, just appear on the main they're roster. They're just hanging out backstage? Yeah. But they're solo cups. I'm just saying that if like, you know, Roddy Strong happened to be in the city that Raw was taping, he could hang out backstage. Oh, sure. Yeah. He, you're saying they're just dropping by. Yeah, they're just dropping by and, you know, the talent, like the camera just just is attracted by them. Um, anyway, uh, Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano is going to go down in the annals of NXT. Um, not quite sure what the look is with, Shane, with, the, with the arc is for Shayna Baszler. I'm kind of wondering if they missed their window by not just calling her up to replace Ronda Rousey right after WrestleMania. I think it would have been too obvious that that's what they were doing. But why not just have it be obvious? Have why not? Because you have, can't replace Ronda. Rousey. Why not have Ronda introduce her the night after WrestleMania? And be like, she's this is my this is my best friend. People won't buy it. I mean, she's she doesn't have but the what star is, quality that Ronda Rousey does. So uh, wouldn't that be more star quality than what she would have just coming up on her own? Anyway, they, they can still do that. They can still have Ronda introduce Shayna as her friend when they're ready, or have her be Ronda's. What if? When Ronda is ready to come back, she comes back to cut a I'm back promo and Shayna Baszler attacks her. Ooh, I like that. Um, and then uh, I do want to, okay, so Velveteen Dream, Pete Dunn, Roderick Strong, incredible triple threat match. Um, I would have liked to see one of the other guys win only because it's, it's nice when titles change hand in multi-person matches. My two favorite guys in NXT, by the way, Velveteen oh. Dream and Pete Dunn. Really? Love those two guys. I mean, I don't think that's breaking news. Two of my favorite guys in NXT, or two of my favorite guys from the indies before they got signed to NXT were wrestled in the pre-show, uh, which is uh, Jordan Miles and Cameron Grimes. They had the NXT breakout tournament match, but those are both super, super talented dudes, and uh, uh, I'm excited to see them get a really uh, getting a good look on NXT of late. All right. Well, I want to talk about the G1. Kota Ibushi won, um, which is great for him. It uh, looks like it f- feels very much like, you know, the right move for New Japan, also the right move when you're, you know, have a guy like that who's kind of looking for a new look. Uh, and he's fantastic and looked good the whole tournament long. Um, there's some cool kind of uh, shots, subtle shots at Kenny Omega that he made in his post-match interview. By the way, is the, is the if you were running WWE or, on the production side, would you do post-match interviews like New Japan? Would you sw- steal that? Because there's something really seductive about it, where they just basically have like a rope line with with a, like a, a mob of press after every match, and the guys just walk out and they're like sweaty and they're like they basically just cut a promo after every match. It's more realistic. It's more like real sports. Yeah. Um, I mean, they've played around. WWE has with doing stuff like that. They did press conferences for a while, mm-hmm. where the press was actually just members of the creative team asking fake questions. Yeah, um, they used to do that in like like backstage rooms. Um, I'd love for them to take more risks with stuff like that, but I think they're so set in their ways of the look and feel of the show. It's so hard for them to um, do anything that's out of the norm because they. They're, they have this well-oiled machine of uh, this is how they run every show. Yeah, they did those in AEW too, I should say. Um, but yeah, it's it's a really cool feel. It's a really cool feel. And there's something about a big star being just like standing on a concrete floor and uh, sweaty and just like being forced to continue performing. I mean, maybe it's just like the stages of the cross at that point, but it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Also, uh, at the G1, uh, one of the coolest angles that I've, that I've seen in a while, Kenta turned heel, joined the Bullet Club, which is, fantastic exactly the right use of him but then as then like after that basically after that happened uh his old tag team partner shibata came out and attacked him and shibata for i mean go watch his old matches he's like what i when i first started watching japanese wrestling that he's basically what i like dreamed it would all be like um there's a lot of really great wrestlers in New Japan. Obviously, I'm not trying to dog anybody, but like, if everybody worked like if everybody worked like him, I guess it'd be boring. But if more people worked like him in the world, wrestling would be a happier place. Mom, he just beats the crap out of people. Mine for that is Okada. So if I were like to imagine what Japanese wrestling is, yeah, no, no, I think, but I think Okada or Tanahashi. Yeah, I think Okada would actually be an accurate representation of it. You know, I mean, it's in some ways. I, I, I just think 
Shibata is what I, what I kind of expected, it, and there's not a lot of people like him. But anyway, he came back. He can't work anymore. He had like bleeding on the brain, basically can never work again. Meltzer, I think, has confirmed that this is not the beginning of an angle with him. And he came back to beat up his old buddy who made a terrible decision to join um, the Bullet Club and then eventually got beaten down himself. But I'm sure everybody has seen that. But if you haven't, please seek out the clip. It is freaking incredible. It's great. It's just so much fun. And like, it's just, it reminds you what a hot, surprising turn feud or like angle is like. It reminds you of what it felt like in the moment when Hogan joined the NWO. And this maybe isn't on that level or whatever, but it's like, it's been so long. Like you don't even have, I guess what I'm trying to say is you don't have to know anything about, about Kenta uh, and Shibata's history. You don't have to know anything about Japanese wrestling. You basically don't have to know anything about wrestling. Play this video and you will understand and you will feel feelings and it is awesome. And I'll also say that I think the Bullet Club is the perfect place for Kenta now. Oh, yes. Perfect place. And I, I don't remember, I can't think of another talent that WWE has misused more than Kenta. I think he came in right before they started letting guys keep their original names. Mm -hmm. I think losing the Kenta name really, really hurt him. Uh, obviously, the injuries. Um, really, injuries really are big. I mean, injuries, that was a real thing. He got hurt right before, right at, you know, but there are the ways, worst possible moment several times. There are ways to fix it and repackage him or call him Kenta or, you know, go back to whatever. And um, I'm happy that he's now back in Japan and successful. Jericho had an interesting thing on his, uh, on, I saw him, I was listening to some video, YouTube video of him where he was talking about his Fandango feud. And he was like, they were like, whatever happened to Fandango, was it worth you putting him over? And there's a whole story, but he's basically like, well, the worst thing that happened was that he got hurt right before he was supposed to win the belt. He was supposed to win a, you know, a mid-card title or whatever, and he had a concussion. And Jericho was like, he's new school. Old school guys like me, even now, you get hurt, you win the belt, and then you tell everybody you're hurt, right? You're like, you, you get the belt in your hands first, and then you admit that you'd been hurt the whole time, and at least you've won the belt then. The way that he did it, the responsible way, you go to the trainer, they're like, oh yeah, you might have a concussion, you do the concussion protocol, you can't work, and then by the time you're cleared to work, the angle's gone, creative has forgotten you, Vince McMahon doesn't know your name. Right. So there's something kind of interesting about like, are we in too safe an environment right now? Um, uh, King of the Ring is coming up. Do we know who's gonna be in it? We do. The list of talent is as follows. On the raw side, and by the way, there there are no brackets here. There only there's only a list of talent. On the raw side, we have the Miz, Ricochet, Cedric Alexander, Samoa Joe, Drew McIntyre, Baron Corbin, Sami Zayn, and Cesaro. And on the SmackDown side, we have Kevin Owens, Ali, Apollo Cruz, Chad Gable, Elias, Andrade, Buddy Murphy, and Shelton Benjamin, who must have been ten thousand of these tournaments. Yeah, yeah, man, Shelton Benjamin's. Pick I'll one. Who's your Who's your winner? Gun to your head. Um, who's Who's the king of the ring? I feel like if WWE wasn't already planning on Kevin Owens because the KOTR shirt, as soon as this trickles I mean, goes up the, you know, the flagpole there, that might be the answer. But if not him, this feels sort of like a Drew McIntyre. A one hundred percent. This is Drew McIntyre all the way home. Do you think it's going to end with a Raw and SmackDown final at? Clash, I mean, at a Night of Champions? We'll probably find that out when they announce the brackets, but I would not be surprised if they have a Raw bracket and a SmackDown bracket. That would make a lot of sense because it's got to happen by Night of Champions. That's when they're they're definitely doing the Clash of there. Champions. Is it Clash of Champions? Yeah. Not yeah. Clash of the Champions like WCW right. was. What was Night of Champions? Is that gone? They yeah, they just changed They changed it. I can't remember. Either last year or two years ago. My brain is fried. Um, well, that's going to be awesome. So you think this is the Drew McIntyre repackaging that the world's been waiting for? Yeah, and and, and along the way, they'll put other guys over. They'll put Buddy Murphy over. They'll probably put Andrade over huge. Mm -hmm. um, I know they're very high on Chad Gable on the SmackDown side. You think they're, um, I, you're no, they're not going to let him be a 205 Live? I just thought he was going to be insinuated there. I, I have heard things that there have been plans in the works with Chad Gable for quite some time and testing out personas for him behind the scenes for quite some time. And they're just waiting on the right time to pull the trigger on it. So maybe they put him over big as a very talented guy in this tournament and then after the tournament kind of reveal his new character. I that can see sense. that happening. It sucks for him. It sucks for of all the people that have to wait so long to be repackaged. 
to have the one guy who's always ready, willing, and gable is uh, it's too bad. <laughs> the raw side isn't quite as exciting because it's all guys that we know really well. Um, you know, the Miz, Samoa Joe, Cesaro. You know, these are all guys. Sami Zayn. They're uh-huh. all guys that we're very familiar with. So I don't think there's as much opportunity. I mean, Cesaro. Cesaro will probably get like a surprising couple of wins. Just, I mean, he he or he's the sort of guy you could imagine that. Like, let him look like he might win because that's a that would be a shock if you went deep. If this was Cesaro's first 24 months in the company, <laughs> I would say this is the time to put over Cesaro. But I feel like he had his moment in the Andre Battle Royal, and he's kind of gone nowhere since. Um, but uh, yeah, maybe, maybe they, they, you know, try and get Cedric Alexander over. He obviously had that big um, moment on Raw a couple weeks ago under the mask. Oh, he's fantastic. He had a big night on, uh, he had a good match on Monday too about against uh, Drew McIntyre. That's a feud that I can really get behind. Drew McIntyre, my God, that guy can go with little guys. Like I've, always, I was always impressed with his matches with Seth Rollins, but it's like the smaller the opponent, the more, the, the more impressive Drew McIntyre is. He's, it's really incredible. You know what I would love to happen at Clash of Champions is, um, if they did it soccer style, where instead, uh, in addition to doing the match for King oh. of the Ring, is to also have the match for third place. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, just they should do anything like that that would spice things up. That would, that would just make everything seem interesting. All right, Jim, what have we forgotten? Errors and omissions, Skyler Aston's not dead to us because I said it on the pod last week. We said last week that he was dead to us because we've like reached out to him a few. He's because he's he's he and yeah he and Steve because you're both busy and like so every time I say like hey do you want to come on or Jim does they're just like yes yeah, sorry filming in Toronto please come back please for the love of God oh they canceled five raw events. That's bad. I think people are reading too much into that. I think that they are just tweaking their touring schedule. Maybe so. I saw a couple of people point this out, and I have no idea if this is true or totally lies. Two points. One, that that I think that the rumor is that that coincides with Seth and Becky taking a vacation, which would mean which would make would make a lot of sense that like they're not going to try to roll out house shows without their two top baby faces. Jeez, Um, wow. And uh, that's there's sometimes there's a problem with your two top talents. In relationships, they want to they want to go on vacation together, um, and then but separately, someone said, and I have no idea if this is true, but I saw this comment that like once the new TV deals begin, house shows are actually only going to make up something like three to four percent of their annual revenue, which is like a shockingly low amount to consume as much energy and and cause as many injuries. Uh, I mean, to consume as much time and yeah, energy and, and cause as many injuries as as they do. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on as all this stuff's going down. That and doesn't it, sound right to me. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll get someone to do the math. Um, anyway, we got to get out of here. Zach, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. Happy to be on this podcast. I love the Ringer podcasts. Um, I've said this to you before the press box. I listen every week. Yes. It's fantastic. And if you listen to the Mass Man show and you don't listen to the press box, what's wrong with you? It's that's phenomenal. what I always say. Thank you for doing this. Uh, Jim, heel producer Jim, thank you for recording this. No problem. Um, this has been a big week in wrestling. We're going to come back here next week and talk about it again. Apologies, as always, to John Moxley. We'll see you back here next week. We are desperately out of time. The tape machines are rolling. We'll see you next week on the Masked Man Show. He should just beat the shit out of people. Like, punch somebody in the face until they bleed. Like, I need my crazy cult leader, like, backwoods muscly guy to do that, right? No. Ha ha ha, no. If you think drunk driving is no big deal, you couldn't be more wrong. You could get into a crash, people get hurt or killed. And you could get arrested, incur huge legal expenses, or even lose your job. So next time you plan on drinking, make sure you plan ahead. Designate a sober driver or use the ride service to get home safely. Drive sober or get pulled over.